This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong and scary sight. I'm solo here in the studio, but we still have Mary. Mary Lucas is with us uh, via conference line today. And Mary, of course, representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yes, I'm at home with COVID. It's not over. Unfortunately, I'm vaccinated. I'm feeling great. But um, yes, we're, we're keeping it safe. I'm staying at home. Um, so I'm glad to join via phone and um, and I'm excited about our conversation today. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have a good one, and we hope that you have a quick and speedy recovery and hope to see you back here soon whenever you're uh, fully safe to be back amongst us, Mary. Uh, But, yeah, we're going to be talking about levels of care today, and this is always a subject that um, can be very confusing and can be a situation where oftentimes we're learning about these subjects when, uh, it's a little too late. We would have liked to have had a bit of a primer ahead of time. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. And to have a thorough discussion on this, we could think of no person better than Sean Cawthorn to join us. Sean is a senior placement specialist with Always Best Care. And that sounds like the perfect place to uh, go, turn to to have an enlightened discussion on this. Sean, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you and good morning. I think, Jason, you you said it best. This is always a tough topic because I feel like a lot of people wait to the last minute, myself included in the last few weeks, as I talked about on a previous show, um, my grandfather is in this situation. Currently, we're in an, in an independent living, which is more like an apartment setting. Um, and we're talking about the different levels of care he may need moving forward, which is a difficult move. And now it becomes an emergency, which makes it even harder for people to make decisions. And we're hearing about wait lists and all these things. So I'm really excited to talk to you today, Sean about these levels of care and um, what people can do to avoid these emergencies. So maybe we start, you know, kind of at the, I want to go in order of these levels of care so people can feel how they start to build. So Sean, what is an assisted living or for those in the industry who like to call it an ALF or an ALF, you might see places written. um, What is an assisted living and what is provided as a part of being a resident of an assisted living facility? So I know a, a lot of the assisted livings like to be called assisted living communities rather than a facility because the facility piece makes it a little more clinical. And that's what an assisted living is. Assisted living is a residential. Um, it's not a healthcare. I mean, they are considered part of healthcare, but they're actually a residential environment where residents can go, they'll have their meals, housekeeping services, laundry services, care for activities of daily living. So you're bathing, dressing, grooming, um, they'll have medica- uh, medication management, so um, they'll have med- medication techs that are under the supervision of a nurse and a registered nurse training, and they'll be able to provide, whether it's AccuChecks for diabetes, uh, providing insulin or pills or eye drops, ear drops, all of those things, and they've been certified by the state as well. But it's really a, a place where residents can live and still get the care that they need, Um in that environment and they'll have supervision staff 24 seven um basically everything that they're going to need they can have right there transportation services 
Uh, most of them have doctors that come into the building, so residents don't even need to go out to their doctor. They can if they would like, but just sometimes it's a little more convenient, especially with like having a podiatrist come into the community or uh, audiologist or anything along those lines, or just having a doctor come in to see them. It's, it's set up for residents to not have to have all those hardships of trying to get out to the doctor or trying to coordinate care, meals, all of those services. So that's what a, an assisted living is designed to do. But it's, a, it's designed to be a, a home-like environment. So you get all of these services in a home-like environment. And I think the biggest piece on assisted living is the socialization part. Because just like you said, I mean, dealing with uh, with your grandfather in the situation he's in, it's you can empathize, I can empathize, but I don't know what it's like to live in an assisted living. Um, mm -hmm. The residents that are there, that's where you get that support group. It's kind of the same when you go into a dementia support group or um, any of those things. It's it's different when you meet somebody that's going through the same thing that you're going through. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where a lot of the benefit lies with assisted living, the, the larger assisted living. That's a that's a really good point you bring up and something that's important to my family when we think about these things, and I'm sure many others, is socialization. And we, we hear, heard a lot about of it coming out of COVID and people who are isolated or feeling um, or are feeling kind of stuck in their room or whatever it may be. Um, so these services and amenities are also included in assisted living care, things like, um, I don't know, like art classes. My grandpa does art classes at his independent living where he was doing them um, before he became a little more um, immobile. But are these kinds of programming and activities also offered at assisted living facilities? So they are. It just every assisted living is going to have its own personality, its own unique. Mm -hmm. um, and in a lot of it, it's it's basically assisted living is four rooms. <laughs> it's it's mm -hmm. four rooms. Um, but what makes it special is the residents that are there, the staff that are there. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen I've worked in assisted living for 18 years and I've worked in different communities that really cater to what residents are looking for. I know uh, one community we had that uh, in our memory care neighborhood, because most of the assisted livings have a memory care neighborhood attached or in the community itself. Um, we started doing sign language because one of my caregivers had, she she knew sign language. So we got a couple books and started doing it with some of the residents. We actually had some nonverbal residents with dementia signing their name. Yeah. It, was, it was really cool. But the same thing, like you said with your grandfather, while you're looking around for assisted livings, you want to ask. I, most of them will have some kind of painting club or arts and crafts or something like that. Some will be great. Some will maybe mm -hmm. focus more on like a baking club, depending on the residents that they have and what they do. Because if you have one resident in a community of 40 that likes to paint, but you have 10 that like to bake, typically mm -hmm. the baking activity is going to be more exciting, right? Yeah. So, and, and as long as you have a, a good a good leadership team and good good caregivers that, that get excited about coming in and, and making a difference in residents' lives, I think that when you bring things up and say, you know, he really likes to paint, they'll, they'll express what they, what kind of painting programs they have, whether I've seen sip and paint come into some assisted livings and they'll do the wine, oh. they'll do all of it, you know? Wow. <clears throat> so you got to keep in mind, every assisted living has its own personality. 
That's great. And I can hear some questions for families to ask when they're searching for assisted living, even in the conversations that we're having. I'm hearing things that people should be considering. Um, you, we talked about the different nurses that are involved in the care and medication management. Can you supplement assisted living care with additional nursing being brought in before you think about another move? So if someone gets to assisted living and they just need a little more than what the assisted living can provide is um, can you supplement that and add on with with external help as well? I know my grandfather has a private duty nurse that he's really really loves working with. Is that able to? Can we bring her in? Is that something that other families can consider as well? You can, and and the biggest the biggest concern on that would be as long as the resident is still within the regulations for assisted living. So part mm -hmm. of the regulations are a resident cannot have. Um, more than five skilled nursing visits. So if it was um, an IM injection or uh, certain wound care where you mm -hmm. have to do daily daily uh, wound changes and things like that, that makes a resident out of compliance for assisted living. A wound that is a stage three or four, that's out of compliance, but it, it does depend on if the resident is under the umbrella of hospice. Um, so. That, that's something else we can we can touch base on a little bit later. Um, but mm -hmm. as long as the resident is within the guidelines, because assisted living is going to be regulated by the county, they're regulated by the state. So they're going to come in and they're going to check and say, okay, well, this resident has had, say this resident had four falls in this week, mm -hmm. right? That's a concern. That's, that's a concern that maybe they're not getting the supervision or maybe they require an additional level of care. If assisted living cannot show that they're providing a safe environment for that person, then they need to look into a higher level of care. But in your situation, say you had that caregiver and and your grandfather was falling mm -hmm. frequently and you had that caregiver come in to ensure that she does not fall, then mm -hmm. you're meeting that requirement, right? It's not an unsafe environment anymore because he stopped falling because you provided supplemental care. The same thing can happen with behaviors and, and with residents that are going through dementia and Alzheimer's if they end up developing some uh, challenging behaviors while the medical professionals are trying to figure out what's going to be the best approach for that. Sometimes you can have in-home care coming in to stay with that resident while you're figuring it out. So, um, so I guess a, a long-winded way of saying yes, you can supplement additional care in assisted living, but you still got to make sure that you are meeting the uh, the requirements for assisted living for an admission room. We are speaking with Sean Cothran. Sean is the Senior Placement Specialist with Always Best Care, and we're, uh, as you heard, talking about the levels of care, and, you know, we had a discussion on assisted living, and we're going to get into more skilled nursing as well, but we're going to have that conversation and continue this one right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, who's joining us remotely today, and we're having a conversation 
with Sean Cawthron. And Sean is a senior placement specialist with Always Best Care. And we're talking about levels of care. We just uh, had a discussion on assisted living. And now, Mary, we're going to turn our focus to what skilled nursing is. Yeah, I think this is a, we, we started to touch on it a little bit in the last segment, and Sean was talking a bit about the safety concerns and bringing in extra help if you can and, and what that looks like. But I think there is probably a point when you can't bring any more extra help in, and, and I, we start thinking about moving up a level, and that takes us to skilled facilities or skilled nursing facilities. Sometimes um, you hear SNF out in the um, industry or SNF, if you see it written out like that, um, all the code words. Uh, but Sean, who could benefit from this level of care and what's involved in a skilled facility? So typically a skilled facility is your skilled rehab. So when a resident goes out to the hospital for whatever, or a senior goes out to the hospital for whatever reason, maybe they fell and they, they, and they broke a hip or they, they had to go to the hospital for being dehydrated and they, they get to the point where they need rehabilitation. Um, a lot of times they'll go to a skilled facility, a rehab facility. They go over there and the goal is really to get them back up moving and get home, wherever home is, whether home is uh, back at their, their actual house, whether it's back at independent living, whether it's at an assisted living, but that's the ultimate goal for a skilled rehab facility. Now, skilled rehab facilities also have something called a long-term care bed, and that's where a resident will go and they'll actually stay there to live. But it is skilled as a skilled nursing facility is designed to provide clinical care for residents. So it, that's stuff that you really need a nurse to be able to do. So if somebody's getting additional physical therapy and occupational therapy, it's extensive visits. They can do up to um, five to seven days a week. If there's wound care and somebody needs a wound vac, they're they're using that wound vac. If uh, the daily dressing changes with wounds, if there are um, sometimes transferring needs, somebody cannot assist with transferring, where they need a, a mechanical lift. Um, which there are some assisted livings that can provide that level of care, but uh, most of them do not. When it comes to residents that need that constant nursing supervision, that's where you, you need to have a skilled environment. So it's not as predominant where you need to go to a skilled nursing facility to live. Usually the services can be provided with hospice in an assisted living facility or an assisted living community. But as I said, like if there is a skilled nursing needs that you need to have that nursing supervision, that's when you really want to be in a long-term care skilled facility. The, um, what we see a lot is when residents are, they just, they don't have the ability to provide a safe environment and assisted living, that's when they need to go to skilled. So. Very good and very helpful information. Do you need, in these long-term care situations, you don't necessarily need a nursing order or a written order from a doctor to be able to be placed in a skilled facility. Is that right? Yes, you do, actually. So you need a doctor's order to be in either an assisted living or a skilled nursing. And typically okay. that comes in the form of an FL2. Mm -hmm. So an FL2 is like a summary form that has the resident's names, demographic information, all their, their diagnosis, their medications, uh, what kind of level of care, whether they're looking at a assisted living, a memory care, or a skilled, 
it also has some of their ADL care. It has uh, some information on their cognition. So if somebody's intermittently confused or consistently confused, has a, a wealth of information on that one page. So that's what North Carolina uses to have the doctor write, summarize the, all the residents' needs, and then they use that to as the doctor's order. Wonderful. And if, if someone has gone out to the hospital and gone to an, a skilled facility on their way back home, they can bridge back down to assisted living once they maybe complete rehab or get a little bit of extra help to get them back on their feet. Is that correct? Is that something that you see a lot in, in the, with the patients and families that you work with? That is correct. Typically, the, the path, um, usually the path to assisted living is a resident, well, there'll be an event. Resident will need to go to the hospital for whatever reason, whether it's dehydration, whether it's a fall, whether it's poor medication management or malnutrition, any of those things. Once you're in the hospital sitting in a bed for three days, anybody needs some rehab, especially our seniors. So they'll usually go to a re rehabilitation um, community in sometimes two weeks, sometimes 21 days, typically not longer than that. And then you're going to find an assisted living or you're going to rehab to the point where you can go home. Mm -hmm. But typically, if you go into an assisted living at that point, then that's where you're going to be able to get your plan of care, and, and they're going to be able to take care of your needs, depending on what that event was and how you bounce back. Because it is everybody bounces back different, and the older we get, the harder it is to bounce back. I do Definitely. recommend there's a lot of situations that I've found to be valuable is something called a respite stay or a, a bridge home if you will, where if you're at the skilled rehab and you're almost ready to go home, but you still have some concerns. And a lot of, a lot of seniors get afraid. Once you fall, it, it, you can get concerned and just you want to have somebody around. That's another reason why you would want to look into assisted living. I recommend everybody give it a try. Go there, mm -hmm. stay two months. If you still want to go home at the end of that, there's a few things that happen. One, your medication is completely regimented now. You have all of like when you're when the times are, everything is in order. You also have a care plan. So if you are to go home or you're to do anything like that, you can actually get care at your house to provide that care. I like this for two reasons. One, it gives you a situation where you have a plan of care in the event that mom wants to go home, but it also gives mom a chance to see the assisted living. Once she makes friends and she actually sees the value of it, it, it is nice. And, and it, I like this saying, it's uh, everybody wants their privacy, but nobody wants to be alone. <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to be lonely. You know, it's, we, we know what we want, but what we need is to be around people to not be lonely. So I think uh, a lot of times when residents do get in that situation, they start making friends and they, they like having, being able to press a button for somebody to come and help me. <laughs> it may be two o'clock in the morning, I got myself up to the bathroom, but now my knee doesn't work. I can press a button. So that's uh, what we want and what we need are usually not the same thing. Definitely. I think you brought up a really good point. You brought up a great example there. And, um, and I want to talk about some of the differences in assisted living versus skilled nursing care. And, and that example you gave is probably something that's very common. And in an assisted living versus skilled living, would you be able to press that button to get help at an assisted living, or is that more of a skilled level of care? And what are some of the other main differences um, while we wrap up this this segment of um, of the two different types of care? 
So the main differences are uh, both communities, you'll be able to do press the button and somebody will come in and, and help. And then they'll reset the button and you'll be able to identify the times and things like that. The main difference between assisted living and, and skilled nursing facility is are those skilled nursing visits. So you don't need a nurse to brush your teeth. You don't need a nurse to wipe your butt or give you a shower or any of those things. In a skilled nursing environment, you have so many nurses because that's a clinical setting and there are certain things that nurses really need to be able to do. In assisted living, typically you have one nurse and the rest is care staff because the care staff are the ones that are, they're providing those ADL cares. So if you need supervision from a nurse for, like I said, a wound or maybe um, your legs are weeping and swelling and they need to monitor your fluid intake or monitor your sodium intake or have that level of intricate details and, and those orders, renal diets, things like that, that's going to be provided more in a skilled setting. In assisted living, they're going to try and keep it as close to home as possible. And really, they're there to just help with the activities of daily living. That is the voice of Sean Cawthron. He is the Senior Placement Specialist with Always Best Care, and he has uh, very graciously gone over the differences between assisted living and skilled nursing. Uh, but when we come back after this, we're, we're really going to grill Sean. We're going to get down to how much all of this costs and uh, what it means for our pocketbook. So we'll do that in just a bit. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. It's a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. It's a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. She's joining us remotely today, and we're having a conversation with Sean Cawthron. Sean is the Senior Placement Specialist with Always Best Care, and we're having a very thorough discussion on the different levels of care, in particular uh, the differences between assisted living and skilled nursing. And um, Mary, we've got a couple items that we want to address with that. And then, as I said before the last break, we're really going to hold Sean's feet to the fire and ask him how much all of this costs and, you know, what is it going to mean for our pocketbook? But we'll, we'll, we'll let him off easy until we get to that point. Definitely. I think the next question I want to ask is something that, that's been a struggle for us. And I hear about it in talking with families that transition. Sean, do you have any recommendations on how to best start these conversations with your loved one who may not be ready for a move? You know, some people who have been in their house for a very long time um, and are just, you know, holding on to that independence and but really do need a higher level of care. What do you have some recommendations on how to start these conversations with your loved one? Yeah, a lot of times I think the safety, the supervision, all of those those are good starts, uh, but really trying to listen to them. I mean, everybody is different. You're not going to be able to follow a script. You're not going to be able to follow uh, – um, they're not widgets. 
<laughs> so mm -hmm. you really need to identify what is the reason why you're looking at what you're looking at and why are they going to be hesitant? Why do you think they're going to be hesitant? And then when you have that conversation, understanding, you know, listening to what their, their concerns are. Most people, as I said uh, previously, people want their privacy, but they're tired of being lonely. And they just, they don't go together. Privacy and not being lonely don't work. So mm -hmm. a lot of times when you're looking at going to see some of these places, a lot of the seniors that I've taken on tours, when we discuss it and we're talking about going to see an assisted living or going to see an independent living or anything like that, they immediately get this picture of a of the tile floors and the, the bright white lights and the, the clinical setting of a hospital. But when they go in, they're like, this is not what I expected at all. Mm -hmm. And they see the, the carpet and the couches and and the, the dining room and the, you know, where they're doing bingo and they're doing baking classes and the paintings that are up on the wall. It's the first step is definitely trying to break down that that expectation of the old nursing home. Right. Mm hmm but it's hard to get them out of the house first. So I would definitely recommend a lot of times the doctor is a big support. Doctor saying, you know, I think it would be best to look into assisted livings. And then it's just taking them out for tours, showing them around, having them meet other residents and maybe going to have lunch. Mm -hmm. But the hardest part is leaving your stuff. You know, this is, this is my stuff. What, what's going to happen to all my stuff? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The stuff that you haven't used in two years. <laughs> Right. Same same thing that happened last two years. Nobody's going to use it. It's, it's, right. um, but it is it's hard to lose your independence, and until you you have to figure out the best way to reach seniors in that aspect, and understanding that things are going to change. You know, this is going to be different than what you're used to. Mm -hmm. But identifying on that lonely piece, I think, has been the the biggest. Uh, the biggest way to be successful is to talk to them and say, you're not doing anything anymore. Like you used to go to mm -hmm. the church, you used to go to the senior center, you used to do all these things. This place offers transportation. They offer mm -hmm. socialization, activities, meals, housekeeping, laundry. But really listening to them, because a lot of times we'll start telling them why it's so great without listening to, like real validating their concerns. Like, I, I don't want to go. I, who's going to take care of my garden? I worked so hard on this garden. The first initial reaction that we would say is, oh, no, they have a gardening club. That's not mm -hmm. what he said. This is my garden. I built this garden, and it's hard for me to leave my garden. So actually telling somebody that I know, that part, I know that's going to be hard. I know you work very hard on this garden, and it's a beautiful garden. Acknowledging that piece. And then going to the, but you also know that it's been, you've told me it's been getting very difficult to manage this garden. Mm -hmm. I did talk to them and they said they have a raised garden that you can actually get to. You can sit down on it and you can still do that. So I know it's not your garden, but hopefully you can make it into your garden. You know what I mean? Like, so going okay. in that aspect rather than just trying to offer solutions without listening to the actual emotional value of what they're saying. Those are great points, and the garden thing actually came up in our conversation when they moved out of their house, and boy, I did I went out and dug up the garden and <laughs> moved it to my house, so the garden had a place to go. The flowers are blooming <laughs> still, you. and the garden found its home. <laughs> there you go, and you got to take pictures and send them to them, <laughs> so he exactly. can see. Exactly. Oh, exactly. You're exactly right. 
Um, so I know that something that everyone wants to know, and it's I'm like Jason said, going to hold your feet to the fire. But what are some of the pay structures for these levels of care, and what options do people have to pay for it? What if you run out of money? So these are not cheap. Um, Medicaid, Medicare, long-term care, the VA. What channels do people have to pay for these these levels of care? So with assisted living. They are, there's a few different options. Um, assisted living can range anywhere from 3500 to 9500 a month. Now, there are some communities that will accept state assistance. And the state assistance program is if you run out of money, then you can qualify for state assistance. And then Medicaid will, so state assistance will pay for room and board. And then Medicaid actually pays for the personal care service hours for staff to provide the care that you need. Now, the the difficult part on that is that with state assistance and assisted living, you can't make more than 1247.50. So if you make 1248, you won't qualify for state assistance, which in turn it makes you not qualify for the personal care assistance for somebody to come and help you with activities of daily living. It, that makes it very difficult. We're definitely we're in a little bit of a bottleneck right now with a lot of people making over that 1248. Now, with memory care, you can make up to 1581. So that that's a little bit different, but the same deal is state assistance covers that room and board, and then personal care service hours will cover for the care that's being provided. If you make over those amounts, then the only option that you would have is uh, skilled nursing, where there is no Medicaid minimum. So say you make $2,000 a month, you can still qualify for Medicaid for a long-term care bed and skilled and skilled nursing. So let me go back to assisted living real quick because there are some other payment options. There's a long-term care policy, which a lot of people have seemed to get through their work um, and have put in over the years. So a long-term care policy will pay a portion of the assisted living depending on what your policy says. There's also veterans aid and attendance benefit which they will pay for a spouse of a veteran. They'll pay about 1300 toward the veteran aid, toward the toward the cost of assisted living and for the veteran himself can get up to about 2400 to go toward assisted living. So that's a, a great program. And I actually have a, a good website for that. It's it's very simple. It's aidandattendance.com and the aid is AID, not AID. So but that one, you go on there, you can plug in all the information and find out if you qualify. So it's very simple. Um, a lot of residents, have, a lot of clients that I've worked with, I've helped them go that path so at least they can find out where they're at. And if you run into problems, there are also some great resources around that can help go through that process with you. Because it is, I've done it for some, some residents that I've worked with before, and it can be a difficult process, especially for somebody that's 80 years old trying to navigate in in our current world where a lot of things are done through computers so um, with assisted living as i said the uh the costs are anywhere from 3500 to 9500 um, you'll have veteran aid and attendance as support or long-term care insurance some communities do accept state assistance which is part of the medicaid program um, but you do need to kind of ask those questions before you get too far along um, if that's your ultimate goal. That's now, with skilled nursing, private pay is 
it's going to be anywhere from $8,000 to $12,000 a month. But again, therein lies what I said before. If you spend down, and to qualify for any Medicaid program, you have to spend down under $2,000. So once, say you're in a skilled nursing environment, you're paying $10,000 a month, and you spend all your money down under two, then you can qualify for that long-term care bed, and you'll stay there through end of life. Yeah, those are some uh, some numbers there that are a bit shocking, but you know that's that's the reality of the situation, and it's also why it's so important to make sure that you're doing work on the front end to prepare for this and to understand that the op- what options are available to you and what's what sort of assistance may be available as well. The website that Sean gave out earlier, aidandattendance.com, aidandattendance.com. He is Sean Cawthron, Senior Placement Specialist with Always Best Care. Sean, thank you so much today for coming on and sharing your expertise and knowledge on the, a subject that uh, I, I think we can all use a little bit more education on. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And if anybody ever has any questions, I'm, I'm you can give out my cell phone. I'm happy to help anybody I can. Very good. And what's, what's the best way to get up with Always Best Care? Uh, you can call my cell phone, 919 919- Two one three zero seven three three, and that goes directly to me. So excellent. You're not gonna nine one nine two one three zero seven three three to get a hold of Sean. And if you missed any part of the show and want to go back and listen to it, head on over to wptf.com. Click on the podcast button. There you'll find the Aging Matters section, and you can listen to this show as well as all the other shows that we've done in the past. There's wonderful amounts of information all throughout these episodes. So do check them out and share them with those who would find this helpful. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. And Mary, we're going to turn our attention to a subject that we've discussed before, but probably not in this vein, and that is the SHIP program. Usually, we talk to our friends at SHIP around uh, Medicare enrollment time, but uh, surprise, surprise, there's plenty of other things that uh, SHIP is a wonderful resource for. And to have a thorough discussion on this, we're very pleased to welcome Mary Jo Hill. She's a volunteer counselor in Cary with SHIP, the Senior Health Insurance Information Program. Mary Jo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you're welcome. I'm glad to do it. I always like to talk about CHIP. <laughs> we we always enjoy talking to you all. So maybe you could start out for those who don't know and who are listeners who are tuning in. What is SHIP and what does it stand for? And is this a free resource for those in the community? Well, yes, to all. Um, I think as you already introduced, SHIP is a Seniors Health Insurance Information Program. It is statewide in North Carolina, and it's actually national as well. But North Carolina was the first state to implement a program like this. It's a free resource for seniors. 
um, to find out more about Medicare. And as you may know, it's a pretty complicated path sometimes. And so this is a service that we think is very well needed and very much appreciated in the community. Absolutely. It doesn't seem like it gets ever, any easier every time when Medicare enrollment comes around. <laughs> we, like, like Jason said, we like to have people on the show and it always just is so confusing. Um, so say you just became eligible for Medicare, where would one start to research coverage and delivery options? Well, there's a lot of resource on the North Carolina Department of Insurance website. There's a whole section on Medicare. Um, so that might be a place to start that that just gets you going. Um, honestly, there's, as you said, it's complicated. And so as ship counselors, we can really help walk people through that as they have questions when they're trying to determine where they need to start. But essentially understand that um, Medicare is for people who turn 65. You're not eligible before then unless you're disabled. There are certain exceptions, but um, you don't automatically get enrolled. So you have to take an action in order to start that process. Mm. Um, unless you're already on Social Security, then they will tell you automatically from the Social Security agency that you're going to be ready for Medicare and they will start the process for you. Great. Can you tell us a little bit more? I want to dig into some of the extra resources SHIP provides. Can you tell us more about the extra help program and what it is and who qualifies for this? Sure. Um, Extra help offers some supplemental help in terms of paying for prescription drugs. So people who are at a certain limited income level and that level changes every year. So um, you have to be, make sure that you qualify by um, checking what that threshold is, but they can get help paying for prescription drugs, either the premium for the Part D, which is prescription part of the Medicare program, or um, paying for the drugs themselves at a very limited rate. So that's available um, if people qualify. Great. Are there other state uh, programs or savings programs to help cover the cost of Medicare premiums? I know that some, it can be quite expensive and an extra um, cost. What other programs exist for savings? Well, there are um, similar programs called uh, Medicare savings programs that actually help pay for the premiums of Medicare. It is not free, as some people seem to think, (laughs) um, surprisingly. But yes, the cost can be overwhelming for people who are at a limited income level. So again, if they qualify, there are several categories of qualification, um, but the best thing to do is to check with the either the resources for seniors in your county or um, checking in with the Medicare, the SHIP counselor can direct them to the, the Department of Health and Human Services where there's an online form that you actually fill out and qualify. And then if, if you qualify for more benefits at a federal level, they will send it on. Um, so it can be done in the same process as uh, checking in for the Medicare application. It's really good to know about these resources. Kind of going mm-hmm. off off the off the rails here, uh, long-term care insurance is something that comes up a lot on our show. And as people uh, start to age and think about other ways that they can pay for care later in life, what is long-term care insurance and what does it cover? How do you go about finding a plan that works best for you? Well, long-term care insurance is not covered by Medicare, first of all. Um, and there is some confusion about mm-hmm. that. Medicare offers some coverage for skilled nursing care in rehab situations after somebody's been in the hospital. But that is definitely not the same as long-term care. Long-term care is for um, 
because it states um, in care in a facility that would be for regular maintenance of your of your life um, as people age. And you really just have to there's there's a policy that you can get. Um, they can be quite expensive, particularly if you apply at an older age. But you would need to contact a health insurance broker who would be specializing in that area and look into purchasing that coverage outside because there is no other way to get it other than if someone again is at a very low income threshold and can qualify for Medicaid then Medicaid can pay for um, ongoing care in a, in a nursing facility that's a good point the Medicaid piece on that do you all help and and guide people through those applications as well or is that uh, yeah that that's a good question that's not something that normally comes up within um, mm-hmm. The auspices of the ship organization. I believe that's something they would have to apply for through the state again through DHSHS. Yeah, there's a lot of confusion around all of those things, and and as people age, yeah. long-term care insurance, Medicare, Medicaid. What do I qualify for? I uh, know. What What do I do? Right. You know, it just could be so overwhelming. That's right. So I think just thinking in terms of just medical expenses. Um, is within the auspices of the Medicare program. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. So where do people go for more resources, and how do you get in touch with uh, the SHIP volunteers and being able to talk to somebody about um, the Medicare programs that you guys offer and and the assistance that you provide people in the community? Well, um, the SHIP program is actually under the authority of the insurance department in North Carolina. They have staff at the main office in Raleigh. There's an 800 number people can call um, in order to access those resources, but also the senior centers around the state and have SHIP offices where people can actually come in and get one-on-one face-to-face counseling or virtual counseling through uh, Zoom or um, another online uh, strategy. So we try to make it available to people as much as possible throughout the year so they can get the information they need. Of course, you know, there's a tie-in to Social Security. People sometimes get mixed up with which part is Social Security because you start the process of applying for Medicare at the Social Security website, and you can do the whole thing online, um, un- unrelated to whether or not you're collecting Social Security benefits. So that's where things get a little confusing. But then once you have a Medicare number and you're in the system, then you would go to Medicare.gov, and there are numerous programs that people can access there in terms of the drug plans and uh, determining where, uh, how to keep that information updated so that it makes it easy to continue to keep current on what is the best plan for them. That's great. And this is such a confusing field, but uh, the folks at SHIP do a wonderful job in assisting those of us who need help navigating these complicated waters. So, Mary Jo, we, we thank you, one, for your time here, but also for volunteering uh, and providing such a wonderful service. You're most welcome. It's a pleasure. She is Mary Jo Hill, volunteer counselor in Cary with SHIP. Again, that's S-H-I-I-P, the Senior Health Insurance Information Program. Their phone number, if you want to call, is 855-408-1212, 855-408-1212.
That will do it for us today. We are out of time. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, you can learn more at transitionslifecare.org if you want to find resources available to you there, transitionslifecare.org. If you want to catch up on past episodes, the place to go is wptf.com. Click on the podcast button, and from there, find the Aging Matters section, and you'll be able to find this show as well as all of our past shows as well. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.